Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I am your host, Austin, one of the pastors here at our church. And on the mics with me in this episode, we got uh, one of our other associate pastors, Sean. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Excited to be here, man. Yeah. And then on the other mic, we got uh, Shannon McKee. So Shannon, what do you do around here? You do, a, you do, do yeah, some important yeah. stuff. I'm our women's ministry director here at the church. So yeah, we we love our women's ministry. It is it is going really really well. Um, and so excited to have you guys on the podcast. Now, before we get into our topic, this episode will be dropping uh, early December. So everyone at this point will be fully into Christmas mode. Thanksgiving will be behind us. And so the the debated question around this time of year is when can you start? doing Christmas activities, music, shopping, decorating, but particularly the music one. We posted this on our Redemption Facebook page, and it it got a lot of debate. So I would love to hear from you guys. When is it appropriate to start listening to Christmas music? Well, I am a strict lover of fall, and so I suck the marrow out of every last bit of fall. So we have a pretty consistent policy in the McKee home of waiting until the day after Thanksgiving to to turn towards Christmas, which isn't that far away now. But so music, all the things. I might do some shopping if I see a great deal of something I know I want, but otherwise we're waiting until the day after Thanksgiving to do any of that. I love that you said it's a policy. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's serious. It right. I do live with yeah. Rick McKee, so <laughs> yeah. policies that's abound. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Strict rules yeah. and regulations. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we might be not the right people to ask for this, right? Uh, so, like, I don't love Christmas music. So it's not kind of what we did growing up is I remember listening to Christmas music. We do like this decoration, set up our tree, ornaments, Christmas cookies one day a year. And then I never listen to Christmas music otherwise. So I don't really care when it is, but it's only like that one day for me. Um, so that might be right before Thanksgiving. That might be the weekend after, but what, what it's would really be too only early. early. Like, would you go like Halloween? We, we, that's too early. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean I it's agree. just one day. So it's got to be close to Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. So Around we might go the weekend before Thanksgiving and kind of decorate and have some of that Christmas stuff up for Thanksgiving. But it's just that one day, and I probably won't listen to Little Drummer Boy ever again, you know? <laughs> it's funny. You So I'm very similar to you. So we, like, we decorate usually the week the weekend after Thanksgiving is kind of when we do our uh, thing. But I'm similar to you, Pastor Sean, where I, I don't en- – I don't enjoy Christmas, and not that I hate Christmas. I just don't. I just don't. I don't know. I think I've just heard it. Minute, so, like, I've heard the same Christmas songs for my whole life. So they just lost a little bit of their flair, and so I just don't listen. Even when we decorate the tree, I like actually ask my wife to not play Christmas music. But oh, I, I, I let her win. Come I mean, on, it's Christmas. You're but, a little bit cringy would, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love Christmas. It's just, just one like, day. I like everything about Christmas except the music. So. It's a weird thing. But. Yeah, I like the music. I do. I have a playlist that I turn it over to. I have a playlist for every season and then one for Christmas. And so... So you have like a fall playlist for yeah. like... Oh, interesting. Fall, summer, spring. Wow. Yeah, I have a playlist for 
every mood of the year, you know, oh, wow. it changes. That is cool. That's nice. Yeah, that's a good so, idea. but my yeah. Christmas playlist is its own yeah. standalone playlist. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, hopefully if you're listening, uh, you, you can agree with one of us. You probably hate myself or Sean, cause we don't really like Christmas music that much, but, uh, it's all right. Um, but we, let's dive into our topic. So we are going to be talking about hospitality and specifically we're going to talk about, uh, how do we do hospitality as a way of life? So how do we embrace it as a lifestyle and what does that look like? We're going to get into some practicals in a little bit, but before we kind of get too far into it, let me just kind of pose this question to you guys. Uh, why is hospitality so important? And, and maybe even start with saying, what is hospitality? And then why is that so important? Well, I mean, I, um, I think it's significant to note that the root of the word is hospital. And so it's not entertaining. It's not uh, Martha Stewart having a perfect home, Pinterest, whatever. Um, it's really about caring for people. And I think it's really relevant because I actually just did an event recently where I was doing some research and I came across a 2022 article about loneliness and what a epidemic it is in our culture. And um, I was fascinated. Like, you know people are kind of lonely, especially after the pandemic. But I was fascinated by some of his stats. And the Surgeon General, evidently, even before the pandemic, was raising the alarm that people are lonely. And he was saying it's a health issue, which normally you think of it as mental health, but not physical health. But he equated it to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's the toll that yeah. it is taking on our physical health that we're so lonely. And I would guess most people don't even realize how lonely yeah. they are. I mean, that's the craziness, 15 cigarettes, and we don't yeah. even realize you know, the effect it's having on our, our bodies and, and just our whole, our whole being. So, yeah, I think we talked about this maybe in our community podcast as well, but just almost every advancement we have as a culture and a society makes us more isolated. Mm -hmm. Like you think about it, like pub, uh, not using public transportation as much or air conditioning. You're not on your front porch talking to your neighbors. You are just continuing to be more secluded. And it goes to what you just said, Shannon, where, oh, it's it's an epidemic. We, mm -hmm. we need it. And people aren't in the relationships, aren't cared for like God created us to be. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting what you said, Shannon, about with the pandemic. I think it, um, the pandemic just revealed the problem that was like, no, it definitely made us more isolated because mm -hmm. we were in lockdown, whatever. But it just seemed like it, it just shined a light on like, oh my gosh, we're a lonely culture. And it mm -hmm. just hyper, you know, made it a big deal. So, mm -hmm. so, so what would you guys say to, you know, so I think we know hospitality is important. We need, you know, it, we want to fight against that loneliness, but how does hospitality or how does it look as a way of life? So to embrace it is not just a, a checkbox that you do, you know, once a year or whatever, but like an actual lifestyle. Like what does it look like to have hospitality as a way of life? Hmm. I think what Shannon started with is really important. Like you view uh, hospitality, it's, it's tied to a hospital, right? So when I... When I thought about this question, I just think about how do we be intentional of caring for people made in the image of God with our lives? Um, just even starting with this mindset shift of part of why God has me where I'm at in my job, in my neighborhood, with my family is to, 
to in some ways be a hospital for people mm-hmm. um, and care about the people that God's placed me around um, and that there's intentionality, there's eternality with why God's done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think it's a, it's a, it's an assumption that as I go into different situations, it's not just about getting a task done or taking care of my my goals and desires in that moment, but it's outward. It's a constant outward focus and kind mm-hmm. of being that safe, warm space for people. Um, and you can do that from your home. You can do that standing in the line at Starbucks, like even just engaging with the barista and looking him in the eye and thanking him and asking him about his day that you're showing hospitality in that moment, you know? And so I think as far as it goes as a way of life, I think it's just that constant awareness that, okay, I need to be focused outward right now. Well, I like what you said there at the end about it's not just at your home, like it's in the line at Starbucks, it's wherever. Because I think, I know for me, like the struggle is the hospitality. It's it's easy to think about as like, all right, who am I going to have in my house and do dinner? Like who, who are we going to, you know, and that's where it's easily to get in that entertain bucket. But no, like you can show hospitality, like as you go about your day-to-day activities. And in mm-hmm. many cases, like that's probably a, a better way to show hospitality because mm-hmm. it's part of who you are and what you're doing, so... When I think about how often, like, like to go back to the Starbucks line, not that that's the be all end all of lines. It but, could be Dunkin' Donuts, too. but yeah, yeah wherever, wherever, or local coffee wherever shop, wherever you are, <laughs> right? Shout out to Scribbles and Kent. But um, I could, when I'm waiting on my drink, I have a choice to make about whether I'm going to be on my phone looking down, or whether I'm going to be kind of looking around at who's standing in line next to me and. Can I make some kind of comment about how cool her shoes are or something to kind of engage with her instead of just looking at my, checking my email one more time? Like, yeah. really? Right. And <laughs> But that's a conscious choice. And it's really easy to just do the yeah. phone, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's, it, that's what you're hitting at. It's so foreign, right, that I have to, I have to intentionally shift my thinking to say, oh, what is – what does God have to say about me going to get coffee, right? Like, is there some person I'm supposed to meet and care for? How do I care for people like they're made in the image of God and and show love for them mm-hmm. right now? Like, what's an opportunity that I'm missing because I'm scrolling through social media or, or, or you name it? Yeah. Now, where so, – so where do we go to – in the scriptures for this? So I think, you know, a lot of people – I don't think there's probably anyone listening that's thinking like – oh, you guys are wrong. Like, that's dumb. Like, everybody's like, yeah, I hear you. I need to do that. I need to grow in that. But obviously, like, where is it? Is that in the Bible? Is it clear? Like, where do we see that in scriptures? Is there any kind of places that come to mind for you guys? Hmm. Well, I think the first one I want to hit is, I think it's just an overarching biblical idea. Uh, I I read this in a book once, and it was really helpful for me to understand hospitality because it's not how I'm naturally wired. It's not how I naturally think. My wife's way more hospitable than I am naturally. Uh, But they explain hospitality in view of the gospel, right? So if hospitality is uh, caring for people, being friendly and welcoming to strangers and foreigners, people that are different than us, and treating them like they're made in the image of God, I mean, that's what... God did for us in the gospel, that he sent his son for us uh, when I was a stranger, when I was far off, when I was a foreigner to him and loved me really well. 
and did something that I couldn't do for myself. And so uh, one of the most helpful ways for me to think about hospitality is in light of, okay, because God has been hospitable for me through Jesus, I need to reflect this image and be hospitable in the same way, self-sacrificing, caring for other people well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I like that because it, I think sometimes, and we might not mean to do this, but I think sometimes it's easy culturally to assume that hospitality is the is the realm for women to to interact in. Like, um, but but when you draw it to the gospel and you say this is a theme throughout the Bible, it's not a gender issue. Like, it becomes something that all believers should do, even to the point that. You know, in First Timothy, when he's making the requirements for the elders, the leaders of the church, you'd think it would be all these really lofty things, but one of them is can show hospitality, yeah. you know? And so God is saying, I value this so much that I want my leaders in my churches to exemplify this. Yeah. It's all throughout the scriptures. Like I, one of the ones I wrote down is is Titus 1, which is the same, like an elder requirement. It's so funny. It, it's so tied to being hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy. And you're like, okay, being hospitable matters. It's yeah. a big deal. And then I, I always think about Romans 12, which is all of the first part of Romans is all about theology and, and how we believe rightly. And then 12 is all about, okay, so how do we actually live? And one of the core things it talks about is hospitality, like caring for believers' needs, but also uh, your neighbors in an unbelieving world. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what it means to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it in First Peter and in Hebrews too. When we were looking, that there's just this consistent command to show hospitality. It's just assumed by the Lord as He writes the Scriptures that mm-hmm. this is part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like what you were saying, Sean, too, of just the um, yeah you. It's it's all throughout scripture to the point like everyone has to follow it. So like I know you know you and I joke like both of us are more introverted personalities. So like showing hospitality is like super hard for me because I just I just don't want to like mm-hmm. I just want to kind of be on my own and do my own thing. But and I but I can't lean on that. Like I can't be like well the Bible says show hospitality if you're an extrovert or if you really mm. love groups of people. Like no it's. It doesn't matter what your personality is. You're still called to this idea yeah. of, of being hospitable. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just this assumption that God has said, use your resources, your money, your gifting to care for people and treat them like they're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what we're called to do. All right. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you guys think, say about, uh, you know, I think, again, we're... I think a lot of people listening would would agree with us. They would obviously agree that scriptures teach it. But why is it just so hard? Because I think all of us know we need to be better at showing hospitality. We need to live this out as a way of life. But like maybe what are some of the barriers? Like what's keeping us in our current culture from being the kind of people the the scriptures are telling us to be? Hmm. I think there's some degree. I think there's several factors that hold us back um, that we can get to. But I think one sometimes is um, it's our own, like, fears and weaknesses and insecurities where we just think we hold back because we don't want to look dumb. Or, you know, I might try to talk to this person and they might, you know, just look at me like I'm crazy. Or 
I might misread a situation and be culturally insensitive or, you know, so we have all these insecurities floating around inside us. Even if we have a desire to be more hospitable, I think sometimes those things hold us back and we, we, uh, we revert to like, I just won't do anything because yeah. that would be better than looking dumb. <laughs> you yeah. Know? No, true. Yeah. That's spoken like a true in- introvert, like all of us. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to like say that, put myself out there. Right. Um, hospitality isn't just tied to our homes, right? But there is a part of that. And I always think of it as the the HGTV effect. You know, I, don't, I don't know if you guys ever watched HGTV and all those home reno shows. But if you hear what they talk about when they describe the homes, it's like, this is going to be our sanctuary, our oasis. And so we, we've tied culturally in some uh, respects our homes to a place where we can get away from everything out there. And there's some goodness to that and there's restfulness to that. Um, but then we don't view our homes as a resource for the kingdom or, or tie it to like loving our neighbors well. And so some of it's that it's just tied to, at least for me, I struggle with the idolatry of comfort. So mm-hmm. uh, even what you said, like, am I going to push myself out of my comfort zone? Am I going to... Am I going to even greet a stranger because that's out of my comfort zone? Am I going to open up my home because mm-hmm. that is harder? Mm-hmm. I think it's costly too. Mm-hmm. Like, fi- I think there is a financial cost to being hospitable because you're giving. You, it's going to cost you some resources, whether you're buying a drink for somebody in line or whether you're inviting somebody for dinner or whatever. It's going to cost that way. But I think also it costs emotionally, mentally. Like I know um, both Rick and I are in professions that are very people-oriented. So we're with people, loving people, mentoring people all day long. And then when we get home um, or we're on the weekend and it's more of our normal space, it is harder to think about like, oh, yeah, like if the neighbor's out in the front yard and I go out and engage in that conversation, it, it could be half an hour of my time and emotional energy. Yeah. And that's, that's costly when you already feel kind of tired. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you're saying too, Shannon, of it, you almost have, you have to plan for it almost like some of it's like, it costs you emotionally, relationally, and, and depending on your profession, that's more taxing, but even budget wise, I think some of what holds us back is we just haven't planned for it. So we've even set up with our budget, I'm going to buy this thing, and then I haven't made a priority hospitality, or even with what we buy. It's kind of a funny thing, like we might buy houses or vehicles or stuff that is more based on our comfort, but actually hinders us from being hospitable. Something that Kelly and I have always wrestled with, specifically when we moved to, to Illinois, we were like, God was moving in us of how do we be more hospitable? And we were just wrestling with what kind of house do we need to buy so we can have a big enough kitchen table so that we can have people over? Things like that where it's like, is this a different priority? Mm -hmm. And how do I budget and plan accordingly so that I actually can do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, Shannon, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not anti-technology or phones, but, but we are definitely as a, as a culture, we're so tied to kind of our digital world, whether, you know, checking emails, but social media. And so I think one of the barriers we see is when we could be practicing hospitality as we're out and about or whatever, we're 
we're using that time to just be like hyper connected and kind of self-consumed in our, our digital stuff. And it's just like, I think we're just missing opportunities because we're just, you know, like you said, our heads are kind of buried in the phone opposed to seeing yeah. what could be happening around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The opportunities are there. Right. Yeah. I mean, what'd you say, Shannon? Like it's an epidemic. We're the loneliest we've ever been. And so, man, there are opportunities to care oh, for gosh, people. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and we're so bi- I make a lot of my decisions based on what's most efficient for my schedule and my time. So like I can remember my kids are adults now, but I can remember when they were shifting from needing me to stay at their sports practices to um, me being able to drop them off. They were at that age where they could be left there and how great excited I was about that. Like now I can just drop them and I can go get grocery shopping done or I can go do whatever. But what I failed to recognize at the time was now I was cutting myself off from all of those other football moms or dance moms that I used to sit in the lobby with and interact with. And so I think that's another barrier is we're, we're busy and then we're making our decisions based on efficiency, not based on relational investment always. Yeah, and that's and that's a good you know it even sets up for the question I wanted to throw at you guys. I mean, what what are some practical ways to do this? So, so to your point, Shannon, maybe you're you know you're a mom listening and you uh, drop your kids off at practice. You could stay there instead of going and doing something else and interacting with other parents. So, so stuff like that. Like, what are some practical things maybe our listeners can can do to to live this out? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's things you've done or just things you know of and people could do. I'm trying to think. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind isn't isn't a practical. Okay, just do this thing, and but it's more of how do I shift my mindset of of actually being intentional about hospitality? That okay, that this is something that God's called me to. It's almost like an eternal shift, right? How do I not just focus on the task or thing I need to get done in front of me, but to say there are people made in the image of God who who either don't know the Lord or do and need cared for and encouraged. And God's placed me here to be a part of that in some capacity. So some of it's that, like, do we believe that? Maybe not just know it theoretically, but do we believe that? And then once that shift happens, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of a trickle-down effect of, of praying through and, and and shifting through, okay, God, okay, what does that mean for my life? I don't know mm-hmm. if you have better specifics than I do. Yeah. I don't know if I do or not, but I love what you said about um, praying through it. Mm-hmm. Because one of the dangers of a moment like this where we're maybe giving some practicals is that people would walk away thinking, well, I should never look on my phone when I'm standing in line. And start. And, the, and so now we've created this judgy... Almost legalism now. Yeah, yeah. like now I got to make sure I never drop my kid at practice because <laughs> Shannon said, you know, whatever. No grocery shopping yeah. alone. Right, uh, right. Never, never. I do remember hearing from a guy like he didn't, he never did anything alone. He always took somebody with him places. And so, you know, like whatever those principles are for you, I think that's... Um, I think it's important to pray through and look at, okay, where assess your current reality. You know, like um, if, if you have nine kids and you're running all over the place trying to keep up with them, don't beat yourself up if you have to drop them at practice yeah. and you don't stay. But the point is, are you 
are you starting to look outward and pray for those opportunities? Yeah. And I think there are some practical things you can do. Like, like to go back to the practice example, what if instead, if I stay, I don't just stay and sit there on the bench, but I, I bring the blanket and the snacks, mm-hmm. assuming that maybe there'll be a mom or two that'll sit down with me. Yeah. Or I, I call ahead and say, hey, I'm going to be coming to practice. Can I grab a coffee for you? And, and so I'm just, I'm just starting to think more yeah. about that mm-hmm. moment instead of just going in with my normal, how can I make this fast and painless assumptions? Yeah. yeah. Well, and one, and I, I don't know, I think it was you, Sean, that mentioned it to me the other day, and I think it might have been from a book you mentioned, but like there's even the idea of just things that you normally do kind of in more of a private space. So like grilling in your backyard. Mm-hmm. I think it was you that mentioned like just do grill in the front driveway. Like there's just things we do day to day that culturally we've shifted to be more of yeah. our, you know, in our homes and our backyard. Like just do some of that same stuff because you're gonna do it. If you're gonna grill yeah. food, you're grilling food, but do it outside so you're forced to yeah. see your neighbors as they walk by. Like that could be something easy to do. And that's one of that's one of my favorite examples, Austin. It's like Gosh, it's it's just how do we take what we're already doing and capitalize on it to be relational and care for people well. It's a it's a funny story. My house in Illinois, it backed up right against a park. And so I would still grill in my backyard, but it was one of these things that Kelly and I decided if there was a parents and their kids playing in the park and we were grilling out, we'd always offer them food. And it was just one of those weird things where you're like, I mean, they might think this is totally weird, but I'm just going to throw on some extra hot dogs and it doesn't cost me a ton of money. And it happened a couple of times where we were just grilling out, maybe with our community group or friends. And we're like, you're welcome to join us. You want to just like hop through the fence? And, and one time a guy actually, him and his son accepted. And it was just a great way to build a relationship. And as an introvert, I'm like, why is this person saying yes to me? And like... <laughs> But it was great, and we got to know him really well and started a good good relationship with our neighbor. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I wonder if one practical thing is even just within the places where you have, where you're rubbing shoulders with other people, that you start to become intentional to ask questions. You're just mm-hmm. thinking of questions that you can ask them. Or even making a point to know their names. Like as you think about your neighborhood or your the kids' soccer team or your coworkers, like how can you be the person at lunch on break that that is hospitable? How can you yeah. and do you even know the names of the person two cubicles down from you that you could start to show them care that way? You know? And I feel like we're like an inch away from this, but the reality is like, how do we, how do we ever share the gospel? Well, if we don't do that, mm-hmm. right. Unless we know our neighbor's names and like actually care about our coworkers, like so much of hospitality is tied to no, like I can have spiritual conversations with people and it, it be more fruitful and, and I can actually love people well because it's not superficial and like I'm, I'm caring for them on a daily basis. So I, I feel like there's so much more potential for some uh, fruit there as you build relationships, care for people, and get to know them over uh, a long, a long time. Just doing simple things like 
getting them a coffee for a soccer game that you're sitting on a bench together. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, I think you're you're both kind of hitting it, but it's the theme I'm hearing from both of you is it's it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Like we're it's really not hard to be hospital. It's just it's just being aware and just put being you know be intentional because if not it's we're naturally not going to drift towards hospitality yeah, no we're, way. we're self-centered we're focused on ourselves but some intentionality and just focus they're mm-hmm. probably endless opportunities you got to look for them yeah for sure yeah there's a book i love by a woman named shannon martin who um she it's called start with hello <laughs> mm-hmm. and so to your point about That's it awesome, not yeah. being rocket science is like yeah we we could just start with hello and and just show interest and mm-hmm. warmth, you know. Um, I think we make it into, to your point about HGTV and, um, and our homes and all the things, I think sometimes we, um, we make it more daunting than it needs to yeah. be, really, you know. It's not like a five-course meal. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a pot of chili. If you are even going to do a meal, to think simple, to think, what can I, chili, I can make a lot of it. Yeah. It's a crowd pleaser. It's, you know what I mean? Like just shifting the way you think about it. Yeah. Well, and it, you remind me of Rosaria Butterfield has one too. And it, her, I mean, she kind of says this throughout the book where she's like, make rice and beans. I mean, if people feel cared for, they'll be at your house for, I mean, it'll still taste good, but it doesn't have to be an expensive meal and you're yeah. just caring for people well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of with, with that thought in mind, I mean, we, we started the podcast talking about Christmas and so we're going to kind of end with this. So we, you know, people are listening to this, we're a couple of weeks out from Christmas. And so, uh, I think every holiday, every season lends itself differently to ways to be hospitable and different things you could do. So, so maybe it's just an idea. Maybe it's a thought, like, what would you encourage our listeners to think through? Like, as you go through the next couple of weeks and we're kind of in this Christmas mode, how could we leverage the Christmas season to, to show some hospitality? Hmm. Uh, just even like with the simpleness of what we're talking about, it, it really is how do we love our neighbors as ourselves, like Jesus has commanded us. And so just for practicality, I would just think through how would I want to be loved in Christmas. And so with the people I interact with on a daily, weekly basis, okay, what does that look like? So for me, I was just thinking through, I have a couple um, older neighbors. I'm like, okay, what happens when it snows? Like, all right, should I shovel their driveways? Can I care for them in a really practical way there where if physically that was harder for me to do, that would be a great way for me to be loved. Um, or if we're doing uh, Christmas cookies or my wife's a home baker, so this is very specific to our family, but uh, like making Christmas cake pops, do we make some extra and, and bring them over to our neighbor's house and just say, hey, we just want you to know you're loved. And if we haven't had a chance to meet them, hopefully meet them. Uh, things like those are the first couple things that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. I think those are great. Yeah, just leveraging what you're currently doing. I think a simple act like shoveling is huge mm-hmm. sometimes, and especially if you if you have a snowblower, wh- what's it take you? Mm-hmm. You know, like not that much more time to like even do the whole sidewalk on your block or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it can be. It's tricky because there's a part of me that feels like we don't need to add more things to the schedule during the month of December. True. 
But yeah. it also can be a time that is very people are open to gathering. And so yeah. it's that balance of, you know, so could you have some people from a couple of the neighbors in your neighborhood over for, you know, a simple meal or even after dinner desserts and drinks or whatever yeah. to just say, hey, we're we're here and, you know, just get to know them because they are open to it more. I feel yeah. like there's something about the Christmas season that opens people up a tiny bit. And so I, I don't know if there's simple things like that that can be done that are or going to an event and inviting somebody with you. So if you're going to see the Christmas trees at Akron Children's, grabbing somebody else to go with you and um, and saying, hey, it's on us, come, we're, you know, come do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a great discussion. And, uh, you know, before we kind of wrap it up, is there any final thoughts you guys have you would want to leave, leave the listeners with with this topic? I think some of what I've just been thinking through as we've been talking is that God works through the mundane, right? Like it doesn't need to be some big thing. Uh, Austin, you summarized it really well, but even what Shannon just said, with what we're, say with what you're already doing for the Christmas season, like you can invite people along with you. You're just an includer of people. You're helping people feel cared for and in relationship. Um, And you can just work it in of stuff you're already doing. And it's as simple as grilling an extra hot dog or just saying hi to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I think over Christian history or over history, we see Christians really shining in these moments where, um, you know, they're the ones who stayed during the plague and took care of people that were dying and all that kind of stuff. And in a sense, people around us are dying because of loneliness. And so I feel like this is one of those opportunities because we have the spirit of the living God in us, that we can really rise to the occasion and and meet people where they are and take care of them in a way that maybe the rest of the culture won't won't see or know how to do anything with that. And so I think it's a great moment in history for us to live out what we say we believe. Yeah, yeah, so true. Well, thank you guys for for discussing this and kicking it around and being on the podcast today. And if you are listening, we hope we see you uh, even in a few weeks. As we think about Christmas, we have our Christmas Eve services coming up. So hopefully you'll join us for that. If you are listening and you don't have a church home, we'd love to invite you to join us. We'll drop a link in our bio with service times and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, hope you have a great Christmas and we will be back on the podcast in 2020. Wow, that's wild. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com slash grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.